Good morning, everyone. Happy Hanukkah. We continue. We left off in the middle of page 20a. After we just finished with the story of Nagdim Ben Gurion, Hashem made a miracle, and um, he was able to fill his pledge and the, uh, refill the water of the wealthy minister. He borrowed the water from. And then the clouds dissipated, and Hashem showed that uh, um, he got it right, right before the deadline on time. So he didn't have to pay him all uh, astronomical amount of money. The Gemara says, "Tanna, the first of the of the wide lines. Tanna, loin nagdim and shmei. His name is not nagdim, and his real name is Buni shmei. His name is Buni. Laman shnikas shmei nagdim. Why was his Why was he nicknamed nagdim? Shnikta rechama bavurei." That uh, it's like puncturing holes that the that the clouds dissipated and Hashem the 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 sun was able to peek through the darkness because Hashem responded to his prayer and it was heavy thick clouds and it felt like night and he said okay the deadline was today by the end of the day you have to pay up and he said no Hashem made a miracle and the and the the uh, sun pierced through the clouds. That one of the rabbis learned Shloisha Niklam Chamba Bavud. That three. The mother says with three, with the sun, the sun was delayed. Its setting was delayed. The sun stayed in the east. It, it, its, its setting was miraculously delayed. Who are these three? Moshe, Yeshua, Menagdim, and Ben Gurion. Moshe, Yeshua, and Bishle, Menagdim, and Gamre. Yeshua, Menagdim, and we learn. We learn. Gemara, that's the tradition. That's the story. The Gemara is just related. Yeshua, Nami, Kara. Yeshua, it's an open passage. The sun was silent, stayed still, and the moon stood in its place. How do we know that Moshe stopped the sun? Where does it say? Actually, we learn We learn the two words. Here it says It says in in Deuteronomy, the beginning of Deuteronomy. Hashem, this day Hashem gave, started, and He gave the the fear, the awe of the Jewish people on the nations. It says. Achel gadlecha, I will start making you great. Gadlecha, achel gadlecha. And that's that's regarding Yeshua. In other words, with his miracle, it was like a global miracle. The whole world witnessed and watched this miracle. So uh, Hashem publicized the greatness of Yeshua. So the same language is used by Moshe. Today, achel teis pachlecha, this put the fear of God in all the nations when they saw that Moshe stopped the sun. He has the power over the sun. We learn taste. I will begin to give. The day that Hashem gave us and mighty delivered the mighty into the hands of Yehoshua. We learn from the verse itself. It says It says that they, they heard. They heard all about you. And they, they were trembling and they were afraid of you. When, when were they all afraid and they started trembling from Moshe? When the sun, when Moshe stopped the sun.
And you also fast on a city where no rain, there's no rain on that city, even though there's rains in the surrounding cities. And the verse says, it says in Amis, the prophet says, Shem says that I'm going to give rain to one city, and one city it won't rain. They're both, they're both a curse. Why? Because on one city there's going to be so much rain, it's going to demolish, it's going to, not going to be beneficial. Too much rain is not beneficial. And the other city, there won't be any rain at all. So one will destroy the crop, and one, there won't be any crop. It says in Echa, Hoysa Yerushalayim Lenida Bineb. Yerushalayim was like a Nida, like a, a woman who menstruates, who's like looked down upon Bineb amongst the its neighbors. I'm Rabbi Nida means they'll be distant. Livracha. It's actually a blessing. Can Nida just like a Nida? Man Nida Yeshla. Heter, Nida, yes, she's prohibited from being intimate with her husband, but she has a she has a way out. She can go to the mikveh, and then she'll be reunited with her husband. Yerushalayim also, it's a blessing. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. When they do tshuva, they're going to return to Yerushalayim. Jerusalem was like a widow. It's also a blessing. Not like a widow, but not literally a widow. The husband didn't die. Like her husband went, went on a far trip. But he's planning to return. So while the husband's away, she's like a widow. She's, like, she's married. She's, changed. She's, she's married, but she doesn't have a husband. But it's like a widow because the husband is alive and the husband will return. So Golus, exile is a time when Hashem like, take, takes a trip. He disappears in us. He went away, far away. He crossed the river, across the ocean. But we know he's coming back. Mashiach will come. Hashem will come back. It says in Malachi, Hashem says, I'm going I'm to make you, you're going to be degraded. It's also a blessing. That the goyim that, that we live we live in their midst will not appoint us to be the, the tax collectors when you want to cross the river the toll collectors yeah. and not the police who are in charge of of of, uh, of punishing punishing the people. So it's a blessing, because if the Jewish people become the tax collectors and the police, the Goyim would hate them. And it would start up with the Jewish people. Now, since the Goyim hate us so much, they, they look down at us, they despise us, they look, we're despicable in their eyes, so they don't appoint us to any position of power. Thank God. When Jews get the power, <laughs> Hashem Yishmar, Hashem should watch us <laughs> over us. You know, people hate yeah. And they blame and they, the corruption, etc. It says in the Book of Kings, in the prophecy of Achi Ashiloni, when he prophesies on the sins of Yerav and of others, it says, It said that Hashem, Hashem will smite 
the Jewish people, like the reed that sways in the water. It's all a blessing. It says in Proverbs, the wounds afflicted by a friend are trustworthy. While the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. <laughs> you understand? It's better the curse yeah. with which cursed Israel. It's better than the blessing that Bilam Arasha blessed the Jewish people. Right. He cursed them with the metaphor of a reed. He said to the Jewish people, will smite you like the reed that sways in the water. The reed stands. It, it's not destroyed, it just, it just moves. It's, it's waves, the waves move it. But if its stalks grow back when it's cut, its roots are numerous, has deep roots. Even if all the winds in the world, in the world howl, it doesn't uproot it. It remains in its place. It sways around them, so the more as soon as the wind subsides, Ahmed Akamad came where the reed stands again in this place. In other words, even though he was cursing them, right. the prophet was cursing them, but it was a gentle curse. You're going to be like a reed, yes? yes? You're going to be swayed, wind back and forth, but you're going to remain around. You're going to have your roots and you're going to come back. And when the winds end, you're still there, still standing. You remain standing. Bless them with the metaphor of a cedar. Ali Moyim. It says in Parshas Bolek, it says, Ali You're going to be like cedars in the waters. Cedars doesn't stand in the watery place. Can't stand in the watery place. It needs dry land. And the trunk does not grow back. Once it's cut off, it's cut off. The trunk doesn't grow back. Maybe the branches grow back, but not the trunk. It doesn't have deep roots. Even though all the winds in the world blow it, they can't budge it from its place. But but if a powerful south wind blows in it, like a hurricane, then it does uproot the tree. The strongest winds come from the south. It uproots the tree. Not only that... The reed merited to have pens drawn from its ranks. Can't move it. All the ones the the that, That's how you write all the Torah scrolls. It's written with, with the reed. Right. We continue on side B, 20B. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, no, we, we're continuing. It says, Oh, I'm sorry. The rabbis learn, A person should always be soft like a reed. Don't be hard like a cedar. 
Maisa was a story of Rabbi Rav Rabbi the son of Rav Shemay was coming from Migdol Gedeir, Mibes Rabbe, from his teacher's house. He was riding the donkey, and he was traveling along the river bank. The summer Simcha Gedeila, and he rejoiced greatly. He said, the guy died the castle, he was feeling very proud of him. So on the Shlomo Tehra, he learned a lot of Torah. And we continue on side B, unbelievable story. He bumped into a person, encountered a person who was extremely ugly. Some say it was Eliyahu Navi who came dressed up like that. Because he wanted to, you'll see the story. He said, Shalom Aleichem. He bumped into Rabbi Lazar Rav one of the greatest sages. Shalom Aleichem. He didn't respond. He didn't respond, Shalom Aleichem. Shalom Aleichem. Rabbi Lazar Rav Shimon said to him, Reika, empty, empty one. Come He's so ugly. I never met someone who's so ugly in my life. Maybe all the people in the city are as ugly as you. Is that him? Any day? I don't know. I don't know. Go to Hashem, the one who made me. What do you? I'm ugly. Go to Hashem, is the one who made me. What do you want from my life? Unbelievable story. Go complain to Hashem. Look how ugly is this vessel that you created. He was the other realized that he sinned. The other he went off the donkey in the shtatl in front of him. He bowed down before him. Okay, I, I agree with you. Please forgive me. Amalei said, "I don't. I won't forgive you." Go to Hashem who made me. Amalei and tell him, "How ugly is this vessel that you made?" So he followed him. Actually, he came to the city. Yosemite came back home. The whole, the whole welcoming committee, the whole city came out to greet him. Welcome to you. Welcome home, our teacher, Rebbe Mighty, our teacher, Rebbe. So this, uh, this uh, ugly person turned to them. Who, who are you calling Rebbe? Rebbe, exactly. The one who's following you. If he's a teacher, there shouldn't be many like him amongst the Jewish people. Why are you saying that? What do you mean? A great illustrious rabbi. Why, why, why are you saying that? This is what happened. They said to him, Nevertheless, forgive him. He's a great person in Torah. You shouldn't do this too often. Yeah. Astonishing story. Firstly, Rabbi the son of Rav Shem is going around insulting people. Just because he's ugly, it's not his fault that he's ugly. Hashem made him that way. Why are you going around insulting people? It's very extremely arrogant. And what does this person say at the end? The only thing he found fault is, don't do it too often. What do you mean don't do it too often? You should never do anything like that. It's a horrible, disgusting thing to do, to come over to an ugly person and tell him how ugly he is. What do you mean don't do it too often? You should never do it. So what's going on here? So the Rebbe explains, he meant ugly, not that he was physically ugly. Maybe he was gorgeous physically. Ugly he meant he was spiritually ugly. He says, I never meant, he says, empty one. I never meant someone who's so smug, who's so proud of himself, parading in the streets, who's so self-content, so egotistical and arrogant. I never met someone so ugly, spiritually ugly like you. Why did he tell him that? Not to insult him. Yes, to insult him because to break through his shell. You know, there's no atheist in foxholes. When, when the person 
when you insult him and you say, you know, no one likes to be insulted. No one likes to, no one, a person who's coarse and crass doesn't realize how coarse yeah, and crass yeah, they are. Yeah. No one likes to be insulted. When you insult him, he wakes up. It's a wake-up call. Like, how do you sober up someone who's drunk? You slap him across the face. Mm-hmm. So he felt someone who's so drunk on materialism, someone who's so drunk on himself, he is a self-made man and worships his own creator. He plays God, like everyone today. They play God, and I am God, and I'll decide, and I'll choose, and I'll decide who I am, what I am, what's right and wrong. When you meet someone who's so arrogant, he says, I never met someone so ugly in my life. You're not open to anything spiritual. You're not open to any truth. You're not open to change. So he tried to insult him, to slap him across the face, to sober him up, to wake him up. But what was the problem? The problem was... First thing the guy said out of his mouth is, go to Hashem who made me. So obviously he underestimated him. He wasn't as ugly as he thought. If his first thought was Hashem, obviously Hashem was right there, but not, you know, in the subconscious, was right there and, and it's ready to come out. So that's why he asked him forgiveness. And he said, I understand what you're trying to do, but be careful, don't do it too often. You have to be careful. Yes, it's, it's something that has to be reserved for the rare case, when you meet someone who's so arrogant, who's parading in the streets, who's so proud of himself, who's so clueless, who's so coarse and crass, so atheistic, so impossible, so, such an ugly human being, whose emo- char- emotional characteristics are so ugly and disgusting and repulsive, yeah. that the only way to get through to him is insult him, to wake him up and he should realize how coarse and low, what a low life, what a bum, how low he is falling, he doesn't even know how low he is, then, okay, reserve it for such cases, but be careful before you do that. Think twice. You know, when they came out of the... After said, the person should be soft like a reed and not be hard like a cedar. That's why the reed merited that that's how we make all the feathers with which you write all the Torah scrolls in the world, and all the tefillin, because of the softness. When you saw, you have a, a, little, a little humility, a little egolessness, then you can blow with the wind, it won't uproot you. On the contrary, when you have a challenge, it'll strengthen you, it'll make you better. Yeah. Then the mission says, a city that has a plague, or Surfside, Florida, houses are collapsing. We're talking about if it's, if it's, if it's a healthy house, a sturdy house, and suddenly it's collapsing. Not if you're living in a rickety shack. We're talking about that are not worthy of falling down. Those who are not worthy of falling down, not prone to, to collapse, and not those who are prone to collapse. Your mother says, you just said that. You said buildings that are sturdy and not rickety. So what are you adding? What's the difference between that, Briyas, and Eina Ruiz Lippel? Hey, Briyas, Eina Ruiz Lippel. What are Ruiz, Rickety, and Ruiz Lippel? You're dividing the two. Two different categories. It seems to be the same, one and the same. Sturdy and not worthy of collapse, not prone to collapse. And if it's Rickety, then it's worthy of collapse. Why are you dividing it into two different categories? The Gemara says, We only need the second category. 
the naflamachos gavayu. If it collapses, because it's too high, it could be sturdy, but because the walls are so high, therefore, it collapsed. Or the kaiman agudadinar. The second category is talking about it's by the riverbanks, so the foundations are undermined by the water. Right. That's what he means. It's not. It's, like it's not worth. It's not prone to collapse. Swamp, yeah. yeah, it's not prone to collapse. It's not on the water. It's not on the yeah, riverbanks. Yeah, yeah. So it could be the structure is is, is sturdy, right, but because of the water, that's why it's going to collapse. Yeah, yeah. So he says you only make a fast day if a building which is not in the water, and it's sturdy, and nevertheless it collapse, then then you're in trouble. Then you you better start fast. It was a dilapidated wall in Narda, in Babylonia, right. in Iraq. Rav Shmuel never pass underneath that wall. Even though, because it wasn't sturdy, even though it stood in place for 13 years, it didn't collapse. One day, Rav was passing through. Shmuel said that Rav let's go master and detour let's go detour around around the wall like we always do yeah and Shmuel wouldn't pass by today we don't have to we have Rav with us there's a lot of merit so we have nothing to worry about we're safe I'm not afraid anything's going to happen <laughs> that's the best the best merit walk with him and you're, you're okay had wine his wine he kept in a dilapidated storage house he wanted to remove the wine before the house collapsed he brought the with him he engaged him in Torah study until his servants emptied out the house from all the wine as soon as he left the house what do you, what do you think happened? the house collapsed realized what Avuna did he got upset that you used this merit to save your wine, to save the house. No, it was no, a yeah. discussion. No, but I know, but he brought yeah, him there. Right? Yeah, he could have had a title discussion in Shul. Right, in the, right. In the Kailu. He, went, he right. took him there. Yeah. So why was he upset? He exactly. Yeah. Why was he upset? Because Because a person should not put himself right. in a dangerous spot and say, Hashem will make me a miracle. Because maybe, maybe Hashem won't make a miracle for him. And if you're going to say a miracle will be performed, Hashem will deduct it from his merits. That's why he's upset, because he used up his merit for the house. So it's like in today's Chumash. Today's Chumash, Yaakov was worried. Yaakov was worried, he didn't want to send Binyamin. Today's Chumash, we learned today. Why? Because maybe on the road, an accident will happen to him. Why is he worried? Everything is Bashar. Everything is destined. If he's meant to die, he's going to die in his bed. And if not, nothing's going to happen to him. But you're not allowed to place yourself in in danger. Because you place yourself in danger, you need extra merits. Even Even if you weren't planning, nothing was going to happen to you, but if you place yourself in a dangerous position... Now you need an extra merit for Hashem to save yeah, you. Hashem to save you. Yeah. So you can't rely on that. Yeah. And, and even if you do rely on that, Hashem right. is going to deduct that yeah, from, right. um, from your merits. However, 
However, if a person has extraordinarily meritorious, like Hanami Mishal Vazari, Avram, who was in the fire, they're above nature. Avada Barava was above nature. Nothing's going to happen to him. So even if he's in a place of danger and you need extra merits, nothing's going to happen to him. But, he, but it's going to deduct him from his merits. That's why he was upset. Yeah. Why, why was made of other Rabbis so special, greater than Rabbi Shmuel? We learn the show, the disciples of Zayda asked him, some say they asked about the Barava, but Mer Akta Yomi, why did you live so long? Amalhemi says, I never showed anger in my house. Right. I never lost my temper in my wife and my children. Right. I never expressed anger. In the house, how much more so outside the house? <laughs> well, you know, outside people have the best behavior in the house. Yeah. The person, you let your hair down, you show your true colors. That's where you're living 24-7. I never lost my temper. Well, it's hot. Even if you go to the I never walk in front of a greater than myself. Yeah. I never thought tighter in places that are unclean, in the filthy streets, like the streets of New York. I have a walk four hours without Taira, without wearing tefillin. Yeah. I never slept in the house of study, even when the rabbi was speaking. <laughs> Not a regular night's sleep, he didn't even nap. I never rejoice in this. My friend stumbled and said something wrong. I didn't rejoice. I never called my friends by their nicknames. No, they ever call my fellow by his surname. If it had a negative connotation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me something notable that Ravuna did. Oh, Ravuna felt that his own merit is not enough to save the dilapidated house. He needed to bring Ravada Barava into the picture. But now the Gemara is going to describe what Ravuna himself was a great, how great he was. Ravuna was one of the 40 who transmitted the whole oral title from Moshe Rabbeinu till, till, till Ravashi. He was, he, was the, uh, he was the 37th in line. Amalei, like the head of the Jewish Supreme Court. So Amalei, I don't remember anything Ravuna's youth. But I remember his good deeds from his old age. Every cloudy day, you carry, they would carry him out in the golden chair. You know that? Yeah, yeah. That was that was the cabs then. The, the, the cabs. They would literally pick them up and carry them in a chair. Ravuna was, Ravuna was very wealthy. And um, survey the city. He would survey the city. They would carry him in a golden chair, and they right, and he would survey the city. He looked for all the walls, and he yeah, because he had to impress. He had to impress the the the, uh, the Gentile inhabitants that they should follow his instructions. He would go by, go uh, survey, inspect the conditions of the town's right. wall, and he would inspect all the neighborhoods, the non-Jewish neighborhoods also, so that in order they should respect him. He was carried around the, like golden the, like yeah, the, the golden seat. Yeah, the golden seat. Yeah. The Sarla and he inspected the entire city. If he found a dilapidated wall, he would demolish it. So, so the storm sh- sh- shouldn't, you know, shouldn't fall on someone. It was possible. It was possible. 
to bear the expense of rebuilding it. He would leave it for him to rebuild. He actually money if the owner was able to He told him, he gave him instructions, yeah, build it. After if not, he paid for it. He was wealthy. Every Friday afternoon, he would send agents to the marketplace. That remains in the hands of the growers when the market was about to close. He would buy it and throw it into the river. So he protected the growers against any loss. He wanted them, they should be in abundant supply. If they, if they couldn't sell it the next week, they're going to grow less. Yeah, right. He wanted for Shabbos, the honor of Shabbos, should be in abundance of everything. So he wanted them to, to give them a profit. He was a capitalist. You know, if he can't, he can't be a socialist and dictate and yeah. command. You know, you have to give them an incentive, a profit incentive. So he gave them an incentive that they should grow in abundance. He bought it from them, and he, of course there was no need for it, so he just threw it into the river. Why did he throw it away? Why didn't he give the vegetables to the poor? But answer Because then they would rely on Avuna's gift and they wouldn't come to buy for Shabbos. Right. It'd be counterproductive. When you're a socialist and you're a communist, you're giving everything away, you're ruining everyone's lives. No one is gonna no one has any incentive to, to produce anything. So your goodness will completely backfire. Why don't you give it to the animal? Throw it to the animal to feed him. That food fit for human consumption should not be fed to animals. Hashem gave food for humans and giving it to animals. Like Peter that loved animals more than humans. We're talking about not people who are animals. We're talking about people who are human beings who know that a human being is created in the image of God. People have to be treated with respect. Animals are there to serve people. Altashchis, to feed expensive food that's fit for humans, is much more expensive to feed it to animals. Animals, all they need is a little straw, whatever they need, animal yeah, food. It's so it's, it's waste, it's total yeah. waste. So it says, don't so he shouldn't, he shouldn't buy, it, buy it at all, just well, to throw it out. So, because he's afraid, if you're not going to buy it from them, next week they're going to produce less. Another example of Huna's character, when he had a medicine that wasn't available to the public, have a molly kuzid the mayamina. He would fill a water jug with it, with tolle, be safe at the base, and would hang it in the doorframe of his house. Somebody would say, "Call the boy, lace it." Whoever wants can go and take it. It was a rare drug. He didn't keep it for himself like the wealthy do today. He would make it available to everyone. the other would say, "Milsa the shifts have a gum." He knew the ways. Of the demon shifta who attacked people who ate without washing their hands. Therefore, place a jug of water and suspend it. And wash your hands before you eat so you shouldn't be in danger by this demon. Another example of Rav Huna's character you have a cow when he sit down to eat bread, have a pasach levavit, when he would wrap his bread. It means he would sit down to eat bread. In those days, the breads were flat and soft. So he would wrap the bread around foods, like a wrap, yeah. around foods and eat the meal. So he says, when he wrapped the bread, it was a wrap, have a puzzle above it. It was like a pita, open, open this. 
have a puzzle of how he would open his door. Whoever needs to eat, let him come and eat. Not like by the Seder when we invite everyone to eat and the door is locked <laughs> and you're sitting at your house already. Yeah, in Shul, you didn't invite great anyone. Statement. Great all statement. All will come. come. Yeah, the, the windows are closed. The, the windows exactly. All, yeah. Exactly. The doorman doesn't even let him close. All of these I can keep. I can copy everything. This I can't do. Open my door and say, why? We can continue on 21 names. The troops of, of poor people in Mechuz are too numerous. There's so many poor people. No, they say soldiers. Some say soldiers. soldiers. There were so many soldiers and they had to support. They would all come. The whole regiment would come. They would eat the other house. Everyone have a happy Hanukkah to be continued.